Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb. And I am a dumb, 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 dumb person, and it's also like I'm looking into a mirror. Yeah. We're like the Mario brothers. I'm Mario Mario, and you're Luigi Mario. We look the same. How much of a cuck do you have to feel like if you're Luigi to know that your brother's first name is also your last name? How how bad is your life if your name is Mario Mario and you know that nobody takes you seriously? Wahoo! Here we go! Uh, these are impressions. These are also better impressions than Chris Pratt's going to do in the Mario movie. So how are you? I'm doing fine. I don't know. I'm babying, I'm babying my dog Booker's in here with me. Um, he usually sits outside the recording studio and pouts that I'm not out there with him when we do this, but he like his father is uh, becoming an old man and has been kind of fussy and he's an issue with his leg that bothers him kind of from time to time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of, it's kind of acting up. So I've been trying to trying to take care of him, trying to spoil him a little bit. Uh, He's a good boy. I don't know. I feel bad. He has, um, we got him checked out at the vet. He has like, uh, an issue with like one of his ligaments or whatever. You get it. I'm not a doctor. He's a real doctor. From a cup. Um, other than that, I've just been hanging out this week. Um, did, uh, did some fun shit with the wife. We went and saw the, uh, fucking Ant-Man, mm. the new Ant-Man. I forgot what the fuck it was called. Holy shit. Quantum Mania. Yeah, uh, that one. But it's uh, it's OK. I don't know. We were talking about this like whenever we left the theater, but like. It's kind of it's it's kind of like the least common denominator of. <laughs> of entertainment. Um, it's just like what Marvel is, but like, I don't know. I was, I was talking about, uh, kind of comparing it to Doom Eternal, which like, I, that's the other thing that I was going to talk about. Cause, uh, I just got an Xbox so I yes. could get game cap game pass. It's yes. so, like, I've been going on cool adventures with master chief, uh, and his, uh, friend, the aliens. Um, yeah, but like one of the games on Game Pass was Doom Eternal, which like I was a big fan of the last Doom game. And then like I started playing Eternal and I was like, oh, I have to do like 20 minutes of like setting up an account or whatever the fuck and getting patch notes. And then I finally got to start the game and I was like, uh oh, this isn't fun. And like, 
I don't know. I feel like those movies are the same way. It's like uh, manufactured experiences. Like the reason that, you know, the popular games are popular and like the popular movies are popular is like people naturally seek out experiences that their friends are talking about. Cause like everybody wants to be able to relate to people and like not feel left out. Cause like, we're all just kind of alone in dealing with our own shitty lives. And like, you don't want to deal with your shitty life of being alone. And then like, not be able to talk to people about fucking the Super Bowl or whatever the fuck. Sure. Um, so like, I don't know. I th- I think that that's like more than personal preference. I think that just like fitting in is a big driver for the things that people like, but yes, I don't know. I, like, I don't have like a thesis here or anything. It's just like, I I've watched it. And like, you know, tried the game out on the same day. And I was like, huh, that's weird. Sure. I haven't played it. Uh, I just know that people like it less than the first one, which is whatever. Yeah, it's like. Uh, I don't know, it's 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 whatever. Um, it's very weird because like in the first game, the whole. The whole combat loop is like you shoot things as you're like running up to them. And then like you like punch them to death when you get close, like you can shoot enemies into like a stunned state where you can Mm -hmm. like do an instant melee kill on them. Uh, And that's still intact, but like you can't like, if you don't put an enemy into that stunned state by shooting, shooting it first, like you can't, kill an enemy by punching it. It's like the first enemy in the game was like a zombie. And it's like, Oh, it's, you know, it's going to teach you how to shoot and kill things. Right. And like something very low stakes. So it's like, okay, I played the last game. I just ran over and like punched it and figured I would like punch it once or twice and it would die. Uh, and I punched it for like 45 seconds and it did not die. And like, I almost was killed by the first enemy in the game. Cause I expected to be able to kill it by like running up and hitting it. Sure. And that apparently is not the case. And I was like, look at, look at what they did to my boy. Look how they massacred my boy. So I don't know. It's, it's whatever. Well, that sucks. I don't know what to say. That just sucks. Uh, I wish the game was good. Or at least fun. Yeah, it's the thing. Like, it's, uh, I don't know. It's a big, flashy production. They just forgot to make it fun. I don't know. Uh, I played through Halo Combat Evolved, which is the first one. Yes, and that is the first one. I, I don't know how... <laughs> <laughs> I ever played that game back in the day. That was another thing. Like as much as I hate modern game design, like Halo, like the first Halo existed in this weird liminal space where like games were still very much like just figure it out. Right. Like game games were turning into like how games are nowadays, but like, uh, like waypoints to guide you to the next objective were like not quite a thing yet. 
So like, rather than just like a series of linear checkpoints that like, oh, I walk to the next thing and then I watch a 30 second cutscene, and then I walk to the next thing and I watch a three minute cutscene or whatever the fuck. Um, like you're actually running and doing things and like just kind of finding your way through the level. And there's some like subtle things that guide you through it, but also like there, there are like waypoints to guide you to things in that game, but they use it about, I think four times through the entire campaign. Yes. Roughly. Uh, so most of it, you're, you're just like walking through it, which is fine, except that, that game was also made at a time where like they were still figuring out 3d graphics. So each level has like a small amount of like resources and textures that they use to build the level. So like I'm trying to escape the, the spaceship at the start of the game and I'm going through a bunch of hallways that look exactly the same and I have nothing guiding me towards where I'm supposed to go. And I'm just like, this sucks. Uh, so like the whole the whole thing of the first game is that if you walk into a room and there's not enemies there for you to kill, uh, turn around and find a different room because you should be going through a series of rooms with things that you have to shoot. That's your opinion. Uh, my opinion on the game is uh, I completely I've played that game so many times that I can play it now and be totally fine and know exactly what I'm doing. And that's the thing, like I um I played the first Halo game when it was new. Um, but like I I didn't own it. The only Halo game well, I owned Halo 2 and then I got Reach, and those are the only Halo games that I ever owned. So like I got the Master Chief collection, which by the way is 135 gigabytes. Yep. That sure took is. me like three days to download. Yep. And I'm like, wow, that's a fucking huge game. I wonder why. I, that is also because you installed the multiplayer. If you choose yeah. to not install the multiplayer, you can just download the games you want to play at any time. Uh, and it was actually one of the first games that would allow you in the game menu to choose what you would download. Yeah. Yeah. See, like it didn't really it might be different for the Game Pass version because like it didn't really give me the option. The only things that showed up as different, like as separate downloads were. Uh, I think Reach and ODST were separate downloads. Mm. And then the rest was like one big monolithic thing. But anyway, like. But that's that's the thing, like, I don't have the I don't have the muscle memory for it. Like, I don't, I guess, have a deep enough familiar familiarity with it because. This makes it, I think, the third time that I've played through the campaign like once with a friend when it was new and then we just did deathmatch mm-hmm. a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, I did play through it on PC, like probably eight or nine years ago, just cause like, Oh, I, I remember this game. I'll try it out. And then I did it and I was like, I've, I've done it. I should have done reach first, but it was still downloading. And I was like, ah, I just want to play a game. So I did that. Now I'm doing reach. Then I'll do the rest in order. Because Reach is the prequel. Uh, did you hit the back button on the controller to get the updated graphics for the game? No. Oh, yeah. Uh, so when you brought up the low texture poly shit, I'm like, yes, that's how it looked in 2001. If you hit the back button on your Xbox controller or like the select button or the fuck it is, uh, you can actually switch to a more modern graphic style. Oh, interesting. 
yeah, I love to check it out. I don't know. I liked the, the purity of the experience, I guess. I'm going to play through them as as God intended, as they were originally uh, yes. presented, I guess. Which is the best part, that they kept that in there and they didn't just keep remastered versions. Uh, there's also a remastered version of Halo 2, which does the same thing. Yeah. Uh, it's fantastic looking. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. It's just... It just is what it is. Uh, having played it, the campaign in Halo at least 10 times. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm having fun. That's it. That's me talking about video games for a long time. Well, OK, then. Uh, then let's get to the show proper with what's your swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. <laughs> Stay away from the cans. All right. Uh, so continuing on a theme from last week, I'm trying to do different classic cocktails that I've never made before or tried before. Uh, so this week I've made a classic daiquiri. So whenever people think daiquiri, it's like, oh, frozen fruity drink, like maybe a pina colada or strawberry or whatever the fuck. Uh, I'm here to tell you that's not what it is. It's uh the the actual original like classic cocktail is very simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a two to one to one ratio of uh, your your light rum, lime juice, and simple syrup, and that's it. Wait, really? I have all of these things. Yeah, dead simple to make. Uh, pretty good. I just like I didn't even use the shaker or anything. I just poured them into a rocks glass and stirred it up with a couple ice cubes, but. Uh, the one thing I guess is that I decided to like truly do it from scratch and I made my own simple syrup, which also is like extremely easy to make because yes. it's sugar water. Yes. But like, I feel slightly more authentic because of that. So there it is. There it is. Uh, so I looked it up. It says, uh, so I looked up just daiquiri and uh, under liquor.com. It says the classic daiquiri is not an adult slushy. It is yeah. a simple and sublime cocktail combining rum, lime, and sugar. That's right, correct. Wanna, let's just crawl out of our own ass here, please. <laughs> uh, I have a gin and tonic because uh, I had the remnants of the last uh, bit of uh, macerated gin. I have to make more. I have to keep finding better, like other recipes because I want to try other recipes. There you go. But nobody has any online. So now I have to make up shit on my own, and that's gonna be fucking terrible. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be drinking shit for a while. Now I want to go make a daiquiri. I have all of these things. I still have my my dark my my brown sugar simple syrup because I thought that would be a good idea, and I think it's okay. That does sound good. Uh, I think it's okay. I I have it with my coffee sometimes in the morning. Uh, but yeah, I will I will give that a shot. In fact, when we take our break, I'll probably go make a daiquiri. Yeah, I'm probably going to go make another one like it's 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 pretty solid. All right. Uh, So with that, let's move into the news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. So Glass Onion, Knives Out Mystery. Good movie. You know, people liked it. Uh, It's got a it had a Netflix announced a director's commentary for it. Oh, man, I can't wait to go watch it on Netflix and and get to listen to it with director's commentary. Oh, uh, well, I have great bad news to tell you. Uh, if you're looking for it on Netflix, you won't find it. It is not in the audio options. 
Uh, in fact, it's nowhere on the platform. It's not even its own new thing. Uh, instead, Netflix has made the commentary track available on podcast platforms instead of natively within the Netflix app as an audio option. So that means you have to look for, and I, I did the, Casey did the research, and then I looked it up, and I'm like, yes, this is correct. You have to find the watching this podcast, and then the first episode is Is called, that an official Netflix podcast? It is an official Netflix podcast, which has been dead since 2020, because they were using it originally for director's interviews. And then, I guess no one was listening to it, so they killed it. And now they've revived the brand almost three years later to now have director's commentaries. And everyone's just roasting them about this. This is so <laughs> dumb. It's so fucking dumb. Oh, I hate these people. Like, how, how are you this fucking stupid? How do you not? I don't know. You you talk. Well, you probably have the same opinion as me. I don't know. They. It sounds like they might share some members of their C-suite with uh, fucking Wizards of the Coast, the, <laughs> the other company that we hate. Eh, you hate But it. also love. They're fine. They make some products. So yes, uh, this is a dumb thing. Uh, who, who... I call constantly for Netflix to diversify things off of their app. A director's commentary is not something you take off of your app. Ever. Never. Ever, ever, ever. You have to keep it in the same fucking place as the goddamn thing. If you're going to have a director's commentary of Stranger Things, put it with Stranger Things as an audio option. Like, there's no way this company can be that technically limited that it can't just do that. You don't know that. Maybe they did like Elon Musk and fired 75% of their development staff and then... Increase the workload of each person by 400%. That's possible. Uh, but considering the median uh, annual salary of people at Netflix, which is $238,000, uh, I, I severely doubt that. Moronic people. Moronic, moronic. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For, For real. real. Next up, uh, the Gorillas movie will no longer release on Netflix if it was ever going to in the first place. Netflix has dropped off the project, confirmed Damon Albin, I think that's how you say his name or how you spell it, uh, the mind behind the Gorillas. I ain't happy. I'm feeling sad. I don't know. Like, I figured as much. Like, they announced a long time ago that they were going to do a Gorilla movie and then said nothing about it forever. Uh, and I was like, well, I guess... I guess that's done. It might happen. It might eventually happen. I don't know. It, it'll happen somewhere, I'm sure. But like the fact that there's no script to this project yet, which is what sources are saying, is like there's still no fucking script. And it's I, I remember us talking about there being a Gorillaz movie on Netflix. And we were like, OK, cool. Well, we'll see. And there's still no fucking script for it. Like, of course, Netflix should drop off of it. Anybody would yeah. drop off of it. What's well, I don't know. It's um, I think I brought this up too whenever we were talking about it the other day. But like, uh, same thing with like, they were gonna do a fucking um, Coheed and Cambria Amory Wars thing. Yeah, they said like a long time ago. Um, which like a lot of projects like that just kind of like somebody will buy the rights to it in case they want to use it and like make something from it. And then 
you know, it'll sit in fucking development purgatory for three years or like however long the terms are for it. And then, uh, you know, they won't do anything with it and then the rights get released. So. Yeah. So uh, I, I know people were like, oh, classic Netflix canceling projects. And it's like, if there's nothing, if there's nothing to even like remotely get you, like if you can't even show like a proof of concept for the goddamn thing, why are you even paying for it after all this time? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, speaking of things that are, are going to upset people, uh, Baron Bo Odar and uh, this is Yante Fries, uh creators of Dark in 19, 1899, 1899, not 1989. Uh, that's the Taylor Swift album. Uh, have re-upped their exclusive deal with Netflix and are set to adapt James Tinian's Something is Killing the Children comic series. Uh, please, someone go check on r slash 1899 to see how many of them were on Suicide Watch. Yeah. <laughs> You like dark. I never watched it. I thought 1899 was pretty boring. I get yep. why some people like it, but I like stories where things happen, not just like being mysterious for no reason. And then it's it turns out that it's the Matrix. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't know. People have been calling for them to leave this deal, like let this deal expire. And so they can go to like amazon or something so that their projects can get finished and it's like okay whatever you say and then this news hits and then everyone's like how could they sign with netflix again like don't they understand that netflix is gonna kill all their projects and it's like i'm pretty sure they know better than you what's best for them because apparently this is an eight-figure deal that they signed so yeah and also like if one of their projects gets canceled because nobody's watching it then like like if i made a movie and like released it from fucking universal or whatever. And then like nobody liked it. Nobody wanted to go see it. And they didn't make the sequel when I was planning a fucking five movie arc or whatever the fuck. Like I wouldn't get mad at universal for that. Cause like they made my thing and that literally happens all the time. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just fan culture ultimately. You know, people are fans of these things and they want to see yeah. more of it. And it's just like you have to also understand there's a business behind this. And I know you want your art to continue forever and in perpetuity, but like it doesn't work that way all the time. Well, like I understand that we have a vested interest in Netflix shit specifically, but like I don't understand why like Netflix does the things that every company does and they're literal demons for doing it. Yeah. I guess because Netflix presented itself as not just another company. And now that it's time to actually start making money, they've become just another company, which, you know, uh, ultimately comes down to the quote, companies are not your friends. Yeah, I mean, that's true. All right. Uh, final piece of news. This is just for people who really care about this, uh, all quiet on the Western front is receiving a Blu-ray release in the United States and United Kingdom. Uh, side note, when saying the United States and United Kingdom, can you just shorten that to United States and kingdom? <laughs> the dumb thought I had as I was writing up that piece. Uh, yeah, it's a Blu-ray release think, for, hmm. maybe you would say the States and kingdom United. <laughs> Or United's state and kingdom. I don't know. Like attorneys general. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, it's a Blu-ray release to a Netflix movie, which uh, I believe Netflix holds all of the distribution rights for it. Let me double check. Let me double check this and make sure that's correct. Because if they, if Netflix does not, then it, it looks like they do. Well, okay then. Uh, yeah, it's just Netflix releasing this. This is a budget of twenty million. Holy shit! Yeah, damn. That's cheap. Yeah. How good that movie looks? Well, shit. Yeah, uh, I remember. I remember hearing about the budget being super low. Well, good for them. So yeah. Uh, Netflix potentially embracing the Blu-ray market with movies yeah. that are not just Criterion releases. Uh, more of this, please. Like most of the effects and stuff they did in that movie were all practical too, huh? Like not a lot of, I feel like there weren't a lot of like VFX type shit, but I might be wrong. That sounds right. Also, there's a lot of recycled locations because, uh, as you know, the the area that the battles uh, were fought with or fought in around the, the, the central plot of the story are basically like a 10 mile square area. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they just got to reuse a, a bunch of locations many, many times and then, you know, keep consistently blowing up the locations they needed to blow up. I've read nothing about this, but like, I wonder if we're kind of getting to a point where it's cheaper to do special effects practical than CGI. Um, Cause like I was listening to a podcast the other day that it was talking about like how there's a shortage of like visual effects artists, yes. which like, it doesn't seem like that should be true. Cause there's visual effects and everything now. And like just CGI everywhere, but mm-hmm. like the demand for it is so high and like, like a lot of sectors in the United States economy, we haven't been building workers and like developing people's careers to meet the demand for the work. I'm not shocked by that. Yeah. I can't believe that, uh, boomers would just destroy the economy like that film at 11. Maybe I should learn how to animate. I can yeah. work on Sausage Party too. Yeah, you could do that. So yeah, yeah, I I've heard the same thing. There's such a shortage that like practical effects are uh, not that practical effects are potentially the way to go, but like in theory, practical effects like if you can do things practically, do them practically because those people uh, probably don't work too much, and yeah. uh, they could probably get you could probably come in way under budget, like with uh, all quiet on the Western front only costing $20 million. I don't know. Plus like, I don't know <sighs> if I was going to make a movie, that's the way I'd go. Like it, just the craft of it is so much more interesting. Like, I don't know. People hate watching movies with me because I'll just point at the screen the whole time and be like, well, they did this effect this way. And then like this, they did whatever you know what i mean everyone hates me well don't worry because everybody whenever uh we were watching against the ropes and they were doing wrestling i was calling wrestling moves so that that, i'm sure ashley fucking loved that yeah i was like "Ooh, nice hurricane rana Ooh, nice hip toss yeah oh they're talking about Rey mysterio again i know him 
Ray Mysterio's hair. Oh, actually, that's his. That's the six one nine. That's Ray Mysterio's signature move. That's the area code of San Diego. San Diego. All right. With that, let's move into downstream. Talk about some trailers for some upcoming Netflix stuff. Baby, I can't control the internet. All right. Uh, first trailer is for Waco American Apocalypse. This immersive three-part Netflix documentary series is the definitive account on what happened in Waco, Texas in 1993, when cult leader David Koresh faced off against the federal government in a bloody 51-day siege. Released to coincide with the 30th anniversary of the National Tragedy, the series is directed by acclaimed filmmaker Tiller Russell, uh, Night Stalker, and features exclusive act Access, I almost said accents, uh, to recently unearthed videotapes filmed inside the FBI's hostage negotiation command post, as well as raw news footage that never released to the American public and FBI wiretap recordings. So this is every now and then, like a lot of times you'll prepare the show notes. I do very little to help you with anything ever because I'm kind of fucking useless uh, and I'll just kind of show up to host the show. But I actually threw this one out here because I wanted to talk about it. Uh, so what did you think? Well, uh, I know nothing about Waco, Texas. I just know the name David Koresh. And I know that he uh, f- attempted to kill uh, federal agents. And he thought for some reason his uh, minute amount of people in this fucking commune would ever defeat the United States government, which uh no. Boy, that sure seems fucking weird of Netflix to release this on the 30th anniversary of the event. Yeah, I don't know. Like, who are you trying to cash in with? I don't know. I don't know. Vanessa is into, like, the serial killer things. I this is kind of more my speed. I think that, like, you know, cults and weird shit and, like, the lies that we convince ourselves of in our head and, like, fringe psychology shit is interesting so like i was like i guess six years old whenever uh, the branch davidian compound got raided by the fbi but like it's one of those things too there's like it's a thing in the conspiracy theory community which i'm not a part of because like the fbi did like break federal law by like shooting through like closed doors and shit into a building that had children in it. So, yeah. But like the whole thing was a shit show. I think it's um like not dissimilar from like the the Kent State shooting. Like I think it was one of those freak things where like they were kind of in a standoff and then like a car went by and the engine backfired and like somebody freaked out and shot and then like the whole thing happened. Hmm. Well, okay. Cause, uh, cars used to just randomly make gunshot noises, uh, before catalytic converters were on every vehicle. I think that has something to do with it. I don't know engines. I'm not a car thing person. Yeah, I, I don't know either. I just watched the car movies, uh, yeah. and they sent people into space last time. So I, I don't think they care about the cars anymore. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Pixar Cars movies. Oh, God, no. I was like, did Mater go to space? No, I mean, he might. 
they might do cars in space. Who knows? Uh, but fast, fast X. I want to fast X my seatbelts because Brie Larson's going to be in it. It's Paul Walker's sister. Mm. I think it's good genetics in that family. Uh, sure. It's it's weird. It's weird that Brie Larson's taking this role, considering the fact that uh, Paul Walker dated like teenagers. I think. I Gross. Think what happened? Was he dated teenagers? I don't know. It's less weird that she's taking a job for money, I guess. I just say that because she seems to be very outspoken about um, the attitude around women and uh, the sexual advances of men in positions of power in the film industry. Yeah. I mean, you can take a job because you're part of an economic system that forces you to continually be working and not also be a hypocrite because like you're against the whole idea of it, I guess. Sure. Uh, whatever you said. Most of us hate our lives. We're just kind of forced to go along because I can't stop the government. I don't know. Also, uh, unfortunately for Brie Larson, she is now under Vin Diesel's thumb. So I can't wait to see Vin Diesel's hostage video with Brie Larson. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I can't wait to see Groot take Captain Marvel hostage. Have you seen those videos? No, I don't know what you're talking about. OK, so. To, to I, this has now happened twice uh, at one point. After it was like in promoting Fast 9 or like after Fast 9, but like in the writing process of Fast 10, uh, Fast 10, your seatbelts. Um, Michelle Rodriguez came out and was like, I sure wish us women in the series had more to do. Like, yeah, I feel like we're kind of background characters. I just want to be like elevated a little bit. Fucking like two or three days later, Vin Diesel does like an Instagram video with Michelle Rodriguez, where he has like his arm around her, she's like real close and like, yeah, hey, we know, like a big happy family here, blah blah blah. Fucking Justin Lin, the director of Fast Nine, is like, okay, uh, I have some issues with like what we're doing too, you know. Uh, so I'd like to see the 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 series grow a little bit. A couple days later, there's Uncle Vin with Justin Lin doing another Instagram video. It's. He Vin Diesel comes across like a fucking mafioso in the when he does those videos with them. Yikes. It's uh it's it's wild. I I it's like the Kevin Spacey videos. Uh I don't want to see them until they're posted. <laughs> Let me be frank. <laughs> That's so insane. <laughs> That's right. You never saw me die. You never saw me die. Fucking did a whole video in character. What a fucking lunatic. Fucking weird ass. <laughs> God. Oh, God. Every every time that we bring that up, it's like, oh, I'm reminded suddenly that like this is the worst of all possible universes. Like this is this is the Trump averse and therefore everything's terrible. Yeah. That's really, fuck. <laughs> what a time. Uh, it's the stupid timeline. Uh, we have another trailer. We have to talk about it now and get out of this fucking segment. Uh, it's for part two of the glory, a show that we talked about 
Merciless Hope and Nothing But Ruins. Song Hee Kyo will create the perfect misery. Uh, years after surviving horrific abuse in high school, a woman puts an elaborate revenge scheme in motion to make the perpetrators pay for their crimes. Uh, this season looks fucking crazy. Dan, did you know that this is based on a real thing that happened in Korea, apparently? Wait, what? Uh, so this show is, I guess, loosely based on a real case of high school bullying in South Korea where uh, a girl was burned with a hair curler. Jesus Christ. Yeah, holy fuck, bud. Well, fuck. Okay. Uh, that makes it a little bit... Uh, nah, it doesn't take away my enjoyment level of it. Um, but still, that's a fucking yikers, boys. Yeah, this this season looks crazy. Or this part wait, looks crazy. Wait until I tell you about what the movie Titanic is based on. Oh, no. You're telling <laughs> me the Titanic is real? Uh, by the way, everyone go watch t- uh, Titanic 666 on uh, on Tubi. Streaming on Tubi fuck? now. Uh, or go on youtube and watch thumb tannic uh which is a thing that i found out exists which is like a full remake of the movie titanic it's 26 minutes long uh with like all of the characters portrayed by people's thumbs with like clothes and wigs and like faces photoshopped onto them and it's made by steve odenkirk uh who made the movie kung pao enter the fist is he really the bob odenkirk God, I hope so. Uh, dude has the weirdest fucking sense of humor ever, and I love him. Oh, no, he's it's a different spelling. Yeah, it's not it's not Odin Kirk. It's Oda Kirk, I think. Yeah. But. Director of Smart Alex Ace Ventura when nature calls. Let's fucking that's correct. Go. Uh, yeah. Nothing to lose. Kung Pao into the fist and Barnyard. He has not made a movie in fucking. Yeah, because ten, ten years. I think he just does like I think he does like a website or something, does like his own short films and shit because like the Hollywood system couldn't contain him because he's such a fucking rebel weirdo fuck man uh, and just does his own weird shit and we love him for it. Huh. Well, okay then. God. Uh, yeah. Glory looks interesting. Uh, I really we'll want to watch Kung Pao Under the Fist now. Well, then go. See you. Goodbye. Uh, I think I've told you about this before, but like that movie almost kept my marriage from happening because like whenever me and Vanessa were first starting to date and get to know each other, uh, I have that movie on DVD, so I was like, oh, we should watch this because it's really stupid. And I watched it when I was in high school Uh, and about 10 minutes into it. She was like, I have to not watch this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, then Uh, that'll move into quick it. So we're going to talk about some stuff that we potentially watch this week Uh, or or not. We'll see. Uh, The only thing I watched was uh, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, only to select all of the audio options and discover there's no director's commentary. Well, shit. What about you? Did you watch anything? Uh, I watched a bunch of stuff on HBO as I was setting up my Xbox with all of my streaming services. Uh, But that's it. Uh, Apparently also, though, 
uh, Steve Odekirk did another movie where all the characters were replaced by thumbs, and it's called The God Thumb. Thumbation shorts. Thumb Wars? Bat Thumb. The God Thumb? Franken Thumb. The Blair Thumb? <laughs> thumb Panic. <laughs> Bat Thumb. He found out that he could do one thing really well in like a subset of people who enjoyed marijuana would vibe with it and he just went for it he also has thumb wars the phantom cuticle oh my god i'm gonna watch so many thumb movies oh god poor vanessa (laughs) god we don't deserve you steve odekirk uh that's like as i mentioned before i have the dvd of kung pao under the fist and that's like back when dvds were new there were like hidden features and easter eggs on dvds that you had to look for yep um which like i don't think is a thing anymore but like it was a magical time to be alive because you would buy a movie for 1999 because you wanted to watch the movie uh but the movie going experience uh, would turn into like five hours of entertainment as you just like go through random menus to find weird shit. Uh, and one of the little hidden extras on it was called a panicked thumb, which is like a thumb running down a hallway on a starship. And it's like, we've been hit. And then it just cuts to black and ends. Huh? So it's like, was Oh, it- that's a weird one-off joke he did. But then I become an adult and find out that he did apparently uh, 1,300 thumb movies. What a legend. And also the screenplay for Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. Yeah. Tons of tons of random movies he's done the screenplay for. <laughs> like a bunch of 2000s comedies. All right. Uh, we have to go away now so that we can finish the show. And make daiquiris. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we won't talk about Steve Odekirk or video games. And instead, we'll talk about our main review topic, which is we have a ghost. The Netflix and Swill podcast is brought to you by our wonderful patrons. Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, the Mike Rula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy Delarosa, Chris Yaney, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Casey Moore, Jason the Nerdrovert, Sam the Hurlahe Boy Hurley, Nick Haskins, David Powell, and my mom. If you'd like to join that illustrious list of patrons, visit patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. Or, if you'd like to support us without spending any money, you can share our podcast on social media, tell a friend, or review the podcast on any podcatcher. It'd be greatly appreciated. Now, back to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into our main review topic for the week. We have a ghost. Yeah. Uh, We have a ghost is a new adventure comedy family film. Uh, It's PG-13. It's a 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb. Finding a ghost named Ernest, uh, asterisk, haunting their new home. New home turns Kevin's family into overnight social media sensations. But when Kevin and Ernest investigate the mystery of Ernest's past, they become the target of the CIA. 
as is written and directed by Christopher Landon. Uh, stars, man, this is going to be a tough one for me. Jahid Diallo Winston. I hope that's, that's right. Uh, David Harbour, Anthony Mackie, Erica Ash, Niles Fitch, Isabella Russo, Tig Notaro, some other people. Uh, Jennifer Coolidge makes an appearance. Sure does. But first and more importantly, um, Dan, how's your daiquiri? Because we both went and made them. It's delicious. I'm really enjoying this. This is a great, this is a great idea. Yeah. Uh, we are now the daiquiri boys, uh, a podcast where two boys drink daiquiris. Uh, the daiquiri boys are coming. We work hard. We party hard. We fuck hard. Oh no. We we don't know. This is, if I was a character from, uh, the nineties live action Disney movie, Hocus Pocus, I would be daiquiri Binks. If I was one of three child actors on the sitcom Home Improvement, I would be Daiquiri Ty Bryant. It, okay, here's the morbid one to close us out. If if uh, my friends, uh, if my dad's friend made a documentary about how my mom murdered my dad, uh, but got away with it, I'd be called Dear Daiquiri. That's good. It's pretty good. A little bit of a walk, but I had to get there. Yeah. It was a bit of a reach, but it, you know, went back around to itself. It was like a, you're reaching in a circle. I guess you could call it a halo reach. I was, I was also going to go back to halo reach. <laughs> <laughs> We're stupid. Uh, what did you think of this movie? I really enjoyed it. I, I don't know why. I just did. It was, um, it was, it hit everything correctly. Like it was funny it was heartwarming. It was terror. It had points where it was fucking terrifying, but not because there's yeah. a ghost because of real world implications, but still like what a, what a very well-crafted movie this was. Yeah. That's the thing. I think I came at this with the correct expectations, uh, but also like it surprised me in a couple delightful ways. Uh, but yes, the fact that like they have, positive confirmation of the existence of an afterlife and the way that the movie plays out from there is no pun intended haunting. Yes. Cause it's like the ghosts don't have human rights. Uh, we're going to hold you at this CIA facility indefinitely, and you'll never be able to get out for all of eternity uh, yeah, because you can't die and we don't have to feed you or talk to you. Right. All we're going to do is just poke and prod you until we can find another fucking ghost. What so, I'm saying is that uh, the EPA agent in Ghostbusters was correct. He's the only person in that movie who has the correct moral sensibilities. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and also he I, has no dick. It's true, sir. This man has no dick. That movie's <laughs> fine. I'm not a I'm not a Ghostbusters person, but uh, when I saw like the the whole setup they had in the fucking bunker, I'm like, oh, it's just Ghostbusters. Yeah. Okay, it's Ghostbusters gone wrong. Remember Ghostbusters? Remember feeling safe? Remember Reagan? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this starts with a family going to a house uh, with 
a realtor just being like very happy to get this, like just be like, oh, this is great. No, it's a fixer upper. It's fine. You're like you'll, you'll you'll totally get through all this shit. It's definitely not yeah. haunted. Yeah, definitely no murder happened here. Uh, you know, the house is just set abandoned for three years for normal non spectral reasons. Yeah. Uh, we're going to show you this house to try to get you to buy it. We're not going to uh, put any effort into mowing the lawn or pulling the ivy down off the side of the house or dusting. Cleaning cobwebs, anything. Yeah. This house is sold as is for a song. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, they move in and then uh, the the spooky ghost happens, except it's the uh, the young family or the family's young son, Kevin, uh, at the age of 16, mm-hmm. who just sees the ghost and fucking laughs at him because he thinks it's funny. Yeah, because he's really it's David Harbour and he's not good at haunting um, like David Harbour with a bald cap and like the fucking with, comb. Over. Yeah, with the, the Homer Simpson hairstyle. Yeah, Um I don't know. There's one thing that I was pleasantly surprised at with this movie that's not plot related was like the needle drops that they use because Kevin is like a big classic rock fan and an aspiring, talented young guitarist, uh, which like Anthony Mackie gives him shit about because he I guess he perceives it as like you're listening to old white dude music and like, you know, uh, whatever. Like you should, you should listen to R and B or whatever the fuck. And the kid's right. just like, "Well, I like what I like, so fuck off, Dad." Which is yeah. the correct attitude for every teenager to have. Yes, uh, that is true. Uh, that that is something that kind of almost immediately is dropped, though. Like he plays guitar like for maybe three times in the first 30 minutes of the movie. Well, and then after that, it's just dropped. They, they do it specifically again. as a way for his character to connect with the ghost because he starts singing Creedence Clearwater revival at him. Uh, and his old white man sensibilities are appeased. And he's like, <laughs> this is one of the safe blacks. <laughs> <coughs> Holy shit. I don't know true. if I can say that, but like, I think that that is the implication of the movie. Because, like, there's, they don't go, like, way into the territory, but, like, I was really scared through a lot of this movie that a plot point was going to be a police officer shooting a black teenager. Yes. And um, at, at one point, we're, we're almost there. We're yeah. finger on the trigger, gun gun aimed. Yeah. And then the ghost busts the cop and busts and make him feel good. Well, no, no. Well, there that was in the convenience store, and I don't think the cop grabbed his gun to shoot the kid. I think the cop grabbed his gun because he felt that the gun went away. I don't feel like that was like him trying to shoot him in the convenience store. Outside of the convenience store, yes, when yeah. the cop the cop is actively pointing the gun at him. That was kind of terrifying too, because like they even like the way that that scene's built, like that's the way terrible shit happens in real life. Cause like the officer outside who draws his gun on the kid is the young gung ho rookie cop who, you know, feels like he's the biggest swinging dick in town and didn't mentally evolve past high school. Yes. Uh, what I'm saying is the world is terrifying and it's, I guess not good for ghosts either. No, 
Um, but that's later in the movie and it really doesn't have anything to do with the plot. Um, it, it's just a terrifying potential reality. We almost had to fucking deal with it in this movie, yeah. which was uh, wild that they even went there in the first place. What I didn't want this movie to turn into was David Harbour helping uh, a new ghost come back to life or something. I'm glad there's only one dead person in this movie, except for the other person that dies at the end. That is a massive spoiler. Correct. We will not get into the spoilers and talk about like what actually happens in the movie, like what the big reveal is, because it, it eventually at some point like this movie turns into, hey, we want to f- help Ernest find some peace. Like and they call him Ernest because of this name. Like he has no he has no memory of anything. All he has is a bowling shirt with the name Ernest on it. Complete amnesia. Yeah. Uh, and he can't talk either because he's a ghost. So and and also I can't feel, but that's harder to say in a commercial, but I can't feel anything at all. Am I standing sitting? I don't know. It's true. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, Kevin and Ernest become fast friends. And then uh, slowly everyone in uh, Kevin's family begins to discover about Ernest. To the point where his dad, who has seemingly never had anything work for him in his life at all, uh, played by Anthony Mackie, uh, takes a YouTube video, uploads it, and becomes an overnight viral sensation for a real ghost. Well, like, I vibe with Anthony Mackie in this movie because I feel like he just is one of those guys that, like, has bounced from thing to thing. And now he's gotten to this point in his life where he's like... I didn't do the thing that I wanted to do and I have responsibilities and like, how do I reconcile that? Uh, I'm going through that currently because I had a midlife crisis recently. I'll see you. Uh, I'll, I'll be ready for your funeral at 72. Yeah. I mean, life expectancy is, I don't know. I'll get to 65 and probably decide where to go from there. Play it by ear. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, then Anthony Mack begins the Ernest Empire, where he continually tries to make money off of Ernest in different and more uh, elaborate ways. Uh, merchandising. Uh, getting, merchandising, where the real money from the ghost is made. Yeah. And then uh, eventually getting who is supposed to be our version of the Long Island medium into the movie played by Jennifer Coolidge as the West Bay uh medium i think is is her fucking thing i think that at this point i think that jennifer coolidge should be in every movie she should show up do a scene and then not be in it anymore Mm -hmm. because i've seen her do that several times recently and all of them have been fantastic remember when she was in mascots you remember mascots who the fuck was she in mascots? Uh, there was a really old dude who was in charge of like the the competition, like the mascot competition, and she was like a beauty queen in, That's in her right. younger days. And he married her, and she they've stuck together for X number of years. Man, I need to rewatch that. Mascots is a weird fucking movie. I'll tell you that. Oh, single all the way was the movie we watched with her in it. Yes, it was. Most recently. Yes, it was. And also, holy shit. Yeah, she did a voice in Rick and Morty. Uh, Maybe she can take over for Justin Roiland. (laughs) That'd be really funny. But yeah, I I did like really enjoy it. Like 
Uh, Anthony Mackie is a very good asshole dad. Like he just doesn't. Uh, you know, he's uh, Eric Cartman as he doesn't understand these kids and he can't ever reach these. How teeds. can I reach these kids? Uh, I just saw that in a, a recent TikTok, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I fucking remember Eric Cartmenez. What the fuck was this episode?" I'm I'm glad that you said that it was in a TikTok because I've been worrying that our references are getting way too obscure. Yes, uh, I enjoyed it. It uh, it 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 moves into finding out what happened to Ernest and how he became uh, the man uh, who is now the ghost in the thing. In the attic, uh, Ghost in the Attic, uh, starring Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> so, yeah, it really works. Anthony Mackie is a good asshole dad uh, who can't reach these keys. Oh, that's right. That's where we left off. You can't reach these keys. And that goes into South Park and TikTok. Jahid Diallo Winston. Like, I really liked him in the movie. Like, he's he's like a great emotional center. Like, I feel like he has a very strong career ahead of him because of just this movie. Wasn't Fulton one of the kids on Mighty Ducks? I feel like that was the bad boy that they got who could do the slap shot. Uh, I have no idea. It's been a long time since I watched the Mighty Ducks. Me too. I don't want to get too, too much into the plot of this movie because I think that people should just watch it. But like they do get into why he's a ghost and his backstory. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like as you might expect because he's a ghost who's not able to like move on to the next plane of existence. It's because something bad happened to him. So like they do the typical like character arc that you would expect where they set it up like, Oh, maybe he wasn't a good person. Uh, and now he's a good ghost, but like, Oh, something bad happened to him and he actually wasn't a bad person. Yeah. Uh, Someone else. David Harbour is really good. Uh, He has maybe two actual lines of dialogue in the movie. Uh, You know, I'm not counting him going, ooh, ah, waving his hands over his head as a line of dialogue. But like he has like nothing. And it's all facial acting. And uh, and it's all just good. It all just works. It's fantastic. I actually think that David Harbour is a very good actor. For the most part, he he chooses projects strangely sometimes, but that's not a bad thing. How's it going, Hellboy? I don't know. I feel like somebody just showed him a, a bag full of money and he was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Yeah, I don't blame him. So, yeah, we have a ghost. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I think you all will, too. Uh, just, you know go in with the expectations that it's a family movie and not going to be like some high drama fucking like last of us kind of thing. Just a a nice family movie that at one point has real, real life terror in it. Yeah. Um, it turns out that just like we expected the whole time, the real villain was old white men. Uh, and also the government. Yep. Which, you know, is the same thing. Also true. Now I'm sad. You'll get over it. All right. That'll move us into uh, our next segment, which is. Oh, it, it was just. A, oh, I remember now. Uh, we we wanted to watch uh, 
more random shit during this 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 month and in in reality next month too um because netflix is putting out nothing that we really care about outside of we have a ghost so uh we were searching around netflix and i found this fucking thing called against the ropes yeah uh so against the ropes uh or in spanish contra las cuerdas uh, I don't know if I said that right. I don't speak Spanish. Uh, it's a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb. It's a comedy drama sport series released from Pridgen. Pridgen? Uh, released from the Pigeons. Uh, Angela tries to gain the respect of her daughter, who loves Lucha Libre wrestling by entering the ring as a mysterious persona. Um, I wanted to watch this because, like, it looked stupid and high concept and crazy. And I, I thought that it would be like kind of a Cobra Kai type, but in reality it's the opposite where like the police are after you actively, you know, whether you've done something wrong or not. And like everything has terrible consequences and the world sucks. Uh, And I was expecting it to be like, this larger than life bombastic, like we're going to, you know, do a flip off the top rope and fucking uh, slam people onto the mat with our naked ass cheeks in the most disrespe- disrespectful way possible. Um, you know how wrestling is. And uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It was a lot sadder than that. And, I don't know. Like, I think I just came at it with the wrong expectations and uh, my mileage was decreased by it. Uh, What about you? You're a wrestling aficionado and I know, uh, let me check, pretty much dick about wrestling. Yeah. So um, the first thing I will say is that the show treats Lucha Libre slash wrestling as if it is real. Uh, the real world bleeds into wrestling. Uh, mm-hmm. There was actually one point in an episode where they're talking about, you need to perform your signature move by trusting your base. And I'm like, but you haven't talked to a booker. There's no producer who's working with you on the match. Mm-hmm. Like you're not talking with each other outside of it. Like, what are you talking about? You need to, and it's like, Oh, you're using your teammate as a launch point for your signature. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. I, I thought we were I thought we were changing the whole paradigm of how we perceived wrestling in this universe. But then also, like, apparently there's good wrestling and then there's like illegal street wrestling that like if you go to it, the <laughs> cops will think that you're a drug dealer or something. Yup. Yeah, that was that was wild where like there's a dude with a wrestling ring outside of his establishment. And then the cops just roll up and be like, this is illegal wrestling. You can't be here. Yeah. But like, drugs. but like he just has a wrestling ring as a permanent fixture there. And they can't just be like, Hey man, who has the deed to this property? Can you please not? Yeah. It's that that's, that's a weird thing. Cause it, it feels like it's one of those like old school territory days things where like, if the wrestlers are popular enough, they're going to go to like, local businesses and advertise for them because they're going to receive cash. Yeah. Like, and the cops just coming along to a private business and be like, Hey, this is too much. Even though you're on your own property, uh, we're now going to shut you down and raid you for drugs. So yeah, uh, that part's, that part's weird. Uh, the family drama is 
a family drama. I don't know. That's, that's the part I really just didn't care about at all. The new stepmom who is the wrestler dressed all in pink is terrible. And I wanted to uh, remove her face. Yeah, she sucks. Uh, she 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 has some sense of entitlement that she should be this girl's mom because she's been around her for the last six years while her mom has been falsely imprisoned uh, and holds that against the mom to her entirety, even though, you know, turns yeah. out to the point she... where like the, the there's a jump of like stakes to where like they're they're in a scene together and they're kind of standoffish because they don't like each other and like the would-be stepmom is like threatened by the real actual mother coming back into the picture uh and then like the next time they share a scene together the stepmom's like you're a bitch you're a terrible mom i'm gonna kill you you're a piece of shit and it's like where the fuck did this come from and why is this the way this is i'm sure that this behavior won't come up in court when you try to take the woman's daughter custody away well right and then there's this cartoonish lawyer who just shows up out of nowhere and is like i'm here to help you get full custody of your daughter and the dad who should be acting in the best interest or the lawyer who should be acting in the best interest of dad the dad is just like no i just want to like i feel like we should both be in her life she is her mom like she should have she should share some part of her life and the fucking bitch of uh, a girlfriend is just like, no, she shouldn't even be in like, she's a fucking criminal. She doesn't deserve anything. And this is what you need to realize is that if you choose to get into a relationship with somebody who has a child, uh, you are choosing to also have a relationship with that child's other parent that you are not in perpetuity. And you have to deal with that. And yep. if you can't, you cannot be in a relationship with that person who has the child. That's true. Uh, and it, it gets to a point where she is going behind both parents back so much to like instill in the 13 year old girl that sh the girl should belong with the like her like sh it, it comes out later in the show that like she can't even have kids like she can't even get pregnant. So like this yeah. is her way of trying to have it uh, have a child, and that's why she's like this. And it's supposed to. I think they're trying to give you a little bit of sympathy for the way she's acting. But it's like, no, yeah. it's not how this works. But like, then, but then you and me, two child free people, watch this, and we're like, oh, she's just a bad person. Yeah, she's just a like, bad person. It's it's one thing to have a desire that you can't ever fulfill. It's quite <laughs> another thing to like have that make you toxic and treat other people shitty because you have a psychological issue that you're not dealing with properly. Yeah. I, I just really just did not like her character. Um, she was, and maybe this lent into the, the wrestling aspect because she's like cartoonishly over the top heel level character. Like, Mm -hmm. you see this sometimes in wrestling where like the heel character just goes fucking berserk and is going way over the line and you're just rooting for the hero to just punch them in the face 
And uh, it, it just gets made all the more sweeter the longer it takes because they continue to be a bastard person. I don't know. I like the wrestling teams. I don't know much about Lucha Libre, but like. I didn't realize that, like, I guess apparently you have a wrestling posse. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't realize factions were that important. Yeah, so like uh, the mom, Angela, becomes a character known as the Bride in Black. Uh, so she like wears a veil so that her daughter doesn't realize it's her. Because the whole thing is like her daughter loves wrestling and she's going to fight for her love, uh, both in court and in the ring. And in life. Yep. So like Angela starts working at a bridal boutique and all the girls that work there with her are like, hell yeah, like we'll wrestle too. So like they have characters like the nerdy one and the delinquent and sassy middle-aged woman who is trying to improve her marriage to a man who doesn't notice her. And then, like, that's contrasted by a similar cast of characters on the stepmom characters side uh, who are all awful and candy themed, I guess, and bastards. And we hate them. Yeah, they're all terrible people uh, because they hang out with uh, Candy Caramello and they do like an event at the local school where the daughter goes to like, be like, Hey, Lucha's really cool. And you know, you should listen to your parents and not do drugs and keep your grades up. But like when they do this, apparently part of their wrestling crew is a little person in a blue gorilla costume. And I was like, I don't think that's okay. No, that's that's a thing. That's actually a a real a real thing that happens in wrestling. That's <laughs> wrestling is like the modern day sideshow. Yes, uh, there there was this. Oh, there were the Lucha Dragons. I think it was the Lucha Dragons. Uh, they had a a third person in their fucking uh oh no it wasn't lucha dragons it was a different there's there's been many lucha teams in uh in wwe but they had this uh little person known as el torito who was just <laughs> a little person dressed up with a mask like a bull that's so uh, you know spanish for the dorito yeah uh so yeah that it's it's just a thing i think it's just a thing and you have to get out. Also, there was a, a a guy by the name of Hornswoggle who was just a fucking leprechaun. And then he would come out from under the ring and be Hornswoggle. But the thing is, like. You can just have him be a wrestling character and let him have some agency. You don't have to dress him like a little pet. Y- yeah, but also like. Uh... Yeah. I don't know. I was to say here, you're probably right, but like, eh, I don't know. I don't know what's correct. I'm just saying, like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like little person is one of the last demographics that like people can just actively be shitty towards and like it not be instantly a huge deal, you know? That's 
probably true. So yeah, they do this. They do the wrestling thing. They they all train wrestling. Uh, the wrestling's okay. Actually, the the best uh, the best wrestling is the the fi- the finale match. Like, and I I'll tell you this. I got really fucking excited because they were like, it's gonna be a two out of three falls match with no time limit. I'm like, oh, I fucking love two out of three falls match matches <laughs> with no time limit. But yeah, the the wrestling is okay for the most part until the end. The end is when like there's actually like, good good wrestling like. Uh, you know, it's me calling. It's me calling the fucking the moves and just being like, "Oh, that's a six one nine. Oh, it's a hip toss. Oh, that's a that's a tilt the world backbreaker. Oh, that's a a package a package backbreaker right there. It's just like, oh, that's a backstab. Like I'm just shouting moves and asking. It's just like, uh huh, sure, uh huh, yes. I think that I've asked you this before, but like, say if I want to start getting into wrestling as a thing that I enjoy for entertainment value. Uh, what's a good jumping off point? A good jumping off point? Yeah. <sighs> like, do I just get the fucking WWE, whatever streaming service, whatever it's called, and then just start watching stuff? It's all on Peacock, so you can just watch it on the cock. Behold the cock. I'm trying to think. What was... The best wrestling story of probably my lifetime is the ascension of Daniel Bryan. And for that, you would basically need to start at WrestleMania 29 and go through to WrestleMania 30. And then as soon as WrestleMania 30 is over, you shut it off and go, wow, what a cool story. (laughs) There's other good stuff in there, too. But like, as of now, that is like peak fiction because because not only did like because apparently daniel bryan was supposed to wrestle somebody else at wrestlemania 30 but also uh and then cm punk quit the wwe and it changed everything to the point where daniel bryan does what he does on wrestlemania 30 uh it was fantastic and i loved it so yes to me that's that's peak wrestling fiction is the daniel bryan story from wrestlemania 29 to 30 is that right is it wrestlemania 29 double check Okay, I lied. It was it was WrestleMania twenty eight. Yeah, so start from WrestleMania twenty eight, go to uh, WrestleMania thirty, and then done. You're done. Never have to watch again. So yeah, um, I don't want to give too much away with the show. I actually, I actually do enjoy it. Uh, you do have to understand that part of it is campy. Like the whole wrestling thing is fucking campy as shit, uh, and it's way over the top, and it's way different from like actual like at least anglicized pro wrestling. Like the way pro wrestling is now is not like this. So uh, you have to kind of like, if you're a pro wrestling fan, you have to kind of accept that Lucha Libre is something like entirely different. Yeah. Um, And I don't want to give away the end because the end is interesting. Although without giving away what the ending is, boy, was that an abrupt stop? Are they doing, uh, are they doing a season two or anything? I don't know yet. I would assume I would assume there has to be a season two, at least, or at least thought about because like the match ends, there's a thing that has to happen after the match ends. Two things like like a reveal happens and then it just cuts to black. Like there's no resolution to the reveal. It's just a reveal. Hmm. All right. uh, Well, what would you rate this? I'll give it like a, a, a three out of five. Like it's a solid show. Um, 
I want more. I want the wrestling to also be better because there's, there is some sloppy, sloppy, sloppy looking wrestling. Uh, And unlike glow, which had pretty good wrestling for the most part, uh, I just, I I feel like if you notch that up a little bit, then the show could definitely be something special, but um, yeah, solid. Yeah. I'm going to agree. Like I said, I think I carried the wrong expectations into it that like, I thought it was going to be zany hijinks and it's not really that. So no, but that's a serious drama. Yeah. But that's my fault. It is your fault. It's your fault that it exists this way. So, all right. uh, Well, what are we doing next week, Dan? Uh, That's a great question because I've been trying to find a a movie for us to watch because I have uh, more more testing for uh, another magic tournament next week to do all week. Uh, and movies are quick and easy, and I don't have to spend too much time watching them. So uh, I'm looking for a Netflix original movie. I haven't found one yet, but I did see that The Woman King, starring Viola Davis, hit Netflix recently. So that's, that's definitely part of it. So I would yeah. like your help, sir, into finding a fucking movie to watch. What, uh, what if we do Dick Pick? Because we haven't done that in a long time. Uh, sure. I think it probably is your turn. I don't know if that's true, but I'm choosing to remember it that way. Randomwordgenerator.com. As is tradition, we go to randomwordgenerator.com. Oh, no. Oh. What's the word? Randomwordgenerator.com and have a word pop up. My word is miscarriage. Uh oh. <laughs> okay. Let's let's spin the uh, wheel. Well, we've already watched pieces of a woman. Sure have. We've also all we've I also don't watched see Shia LaBeouf's penis. Nope. Uh, also watched the Starling. Uh, there's a 12 minute animated thing called "If Anything Happens, I Love You." Yeah, that was um. Oscar nominated as like best original oh. or best short film. It's about parents dealing with a kid dying in a school shooting. Uh, I mean, it's 12 minutes. So what do you think? Oh, fuck. I mean, sure. If you want to deal with if you want to fucking undertake that, fine. I'm yeah. good with it. We can have, you know, we we have feelings. We're deep. Oh, that's true. Holy fucking yikes. I didn't realize it was that. All right. Uh, well, you can find the show at Netflix and swill.com to run stop shop for all things Netflix and swill. Uh, thank you to space weather for the use of our theme song bitter. It's the intro and out to outro over show. And it's a song and there's hex something. What the fuck's the new track called? Uh, it's called silent hex. Silent hex is the new track. I don't know. I'm not trying to be shitty to our friends in the band. I'm just like, I don't know. It's hard to remember names to songs when they're just like nonsense things. That's true. Or, you know, not Fallout Boy or Panic at the Disco song titles. Thanks for the memories. That's it. That's the entire show. You've done it. It is. Uh, Until next week, this is Caleb saying 
if you want to play Halo the Master Chief Collection with me, my gamer tag is Sozetta Slowpoke. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.